Anyway, this episode also deals with the very important subject matter of circumcision. That's when they take a knife and cut a slit right down the middle of your penis, slicing it into two halves. And then they take the two halves and tie them in a little bow. No, they don't. Huh? Dude, that's not what they do. Is that what they did to you? Well, well yeah, that, that's what they do to everybody, isn't it? No. <laughs> Dude, now I know why that Sally chick calls you the pretzel. <laughs> Shut up! This is sick and wrong. America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, E. Simon. And unfortunately, or well, maybe fortunately, yeah, yeah, maybe well. fortunately, uh, <laughs> Lance Wackerly is on vacation this week. So I'm happy to announce that we have our special guest host for the week, Ian. Who's uh, been on the show in the past? Welcome to uh, Sick yes. and Wrong There, hello. Ian. Welcome. Yes, hello, hello. Sleazy hello, E. Hello, hello. Uh, you know, we never even gave Sleazy you a radio e. name. I know. Sleazy E, that works well, yeah. I so uh, if you guys recall, Sleazy E was on the Breakup Podcast. Uh, it was probably in a couple months, about a month ago or so, a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah, three or four We were talking about yeah. that, uh, that breakup. And then, it, then there was like this big, long... Um, a uh, series of phone calls about that that tattoo that the girl had and whether or not you're yes, being Yes, they dragged on a bit too long, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think we even we heard your response <laughs> and all that. But yeah. um, so yeah, like as I mentioned before, um, both Wackerly and I were in Michigan this past weekend for a friend's wedding, which I'm not going to really get into too much detail about. The one thing I'm going to say because Wackerly's going to be back next week, and I'm sure we'll discuss the uh, wedding in full we detail. We can save that for next week. But uh, the one thing I do want to mention just to make sure people will listen next week, Wackerly did get into a drunken altercation with a guy who had a hook for a hand. Whoa. Yeah, dude. <laughs> now that's a trailer right yeah, there. Yeah, we'll, we'll find more out about that uh, next week. But uh, So this is going to be a special episode of Sick and Wrong. It's kind of hard to do the regular show when Wackerly's not here. So today, I kind of want to talk about penises. Circumcision. <laughs> Your favorite. As a matter of Your fact. Your favorite subject. Circumcision is going to be the topic of the show, which is one of the reasons why I invited Ian here, because... Ian, you're uncircumcised, right? You're English? Correct, aren't, yes. Aren't English are all like, uh, they, they all have heathen dog penises, am I? Am I yes, it's, it is a, it's, a, it's a strange state of affairs. I mean, I, I, never, I never understood, I never knew of, uh, of circumcision even really when I, until I moved to this country. And, uh, well, because what, it's like, so what, 20% of people in Europe are circumcised? Yeah, well, now, yeah, nowadays, I guess. But I mean, you know, I never knew anybody. It never came up. I never, you know, in the showers at school, I never saw any, any different to what I had so it was really interesting and uh, even like meeting girls here like they never actually I guess you know they saw my penis wreck most of the time but I even here no no I had no girl ever well they're probably shocked not by the foreskin probably by the size <laughs> they're like god I can barely see it are, are you sure yeah, uh, like that this looks like a flap of are you sure anyway. that's a penis <laughs> <laughs> it looks like an elongated clitoris but uh no but no seriously I imagine when you move to this country 
you're probably, uh, you know, you whipped it out and the girl's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, what the hell is that? I mean, where, did you ever get like the shock and awe treatment? No, never. No, luckily, <laughs> never. No, that would, that would, yeah, that would be pretty traumatic, I think. Dude, I mean, but, but seriously, San Francisco, they're kind of enlightened. Yes. Well, you'd be surprised, but yes. I mean, has but, a girl ever said anything? Like, well, what's a, no, what's a I, typical not, response? Not, not until I've actually brought it up. And when I, you know, obviously when I found out about it, I, you know, you I just actually... like lick my foreskin. <laughs> no, lick the no. smegma. That's how I clean my yeah. dick. <laughs> <laughs> we always had a joke because uh, me and my best friend and his brother um they're uh, funny actually they're jewish and they're not circum they're they're, uh, they're uncir uncircumcised uh, yes, jews yes now that's weird and I, you, I thought you'd get thrown out of the tribe for that I yeah well maybe it's maybe they keep their pants on and they're not known but um but it's funny we would we would call ourselves the boys in the hood the boys in the hood <laughs> yeah the boys in the hood are always hard, isn't that how it goes? <laughs> so anyway, you know, it, I never had a choice. Obviously, I'm Jewish, and it's uh, you know, it's a ritual for Jews to be circumcised, the bris and all that, the circumcision ceremony. Like eight days after you're born, you automatically get your dick cut off. Owser. Well, yeah. the tip wow. of your dick cut off. Yeah. Jews always have to have twenty percent off of everything. <laughs> but the reason I wanted to talk about circumcision on the show, and so at the wedding, this is a one wedding story I'm going to get into. I was talking to this pregnant girl who wasn't drinking, um, which is probably a good thing. Thankfully. I was wasted. And so she's, uh, she, I asked her, you know, so, uh, you know, you, she, I mean, seriously, she looked like she was about to burst and squeeze out this puppy. And so I asked her, I was like, so, you know, are you going to have your child soon? Or, you know, how many months do you have to go? And she's like, well, actually only two months away. I was like, oh, so do you know whether, you know, the sex of the child? And she said it was going to be a boy. And uh, so then I asked her, I was like, oh, so are you going to have him circumcised? And it was funny, too, because she's sitting right next to her husband, who was probably as intoxicated as I was. He immediately said yes, and she said no. Wow. And so then I was like, uh, okay, I just started a, um, an <laughs> argument here. And she was like, and fight. then she said again, she said no. And then he said yes. He's like, I thought we discussed this, dear. And so they started getting into an argument about it. And I was like, you know, listen, it, you know, you can just, it, it's fine. I don't really need to know. And, she's, and she was going on how it's like a barbaric practice and genital mutilation is wrong. And he was saying, I don't want my kid to have a funny looking penis. You know, his friends are going to laugh at him. Obviously, he was probably circumcised. And I right. think that's why a lot of fathers right. you know, had their kids cut. And I mean, they're a Michigan couple. So, I mean, I imagine circumcision is still rather prevalent in the Midwest. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. She, she was upset. And I just eventually just kind of was like, well, I got to go get another drink and just excuse myself and left them arguing at the table. But I was thinking, you know, it's such a divisive topic. I mean, it's, and people are so polarized, not polarized yeah. on the issue. Well, in this country, yeah, for sure, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I, was, I was doing a little, um, I was doing some research, some uh, research for sick and wrong. You know, I'm a professional broadcaster, <laughs> so I want to get my stats here. But um, the American Medical Association defines non-therapeutic circumcision as the non-religious, non-ritualistic, not medically necessary Elective circumcision of male newborns. Yeah. So that's no. the AMA is saying it's it's, it's, it's non. Not, there's yeah, no purpose it's, in it's it whatsoever. Not right. It states that medical associations in the U.S., Australia, and Canada do not recommend the routine non-therapeutic circumcision of newborns. But do not recommend it. Yeah. Wow. But uh, but it, but even like in light of this statement, seventy percent of the current male population of the U.S. have been circumcised. And that's we were talking just about mind-boggling. It it, it, it yeah. kind of blows my mind, yeah. although. I've heard that statistic is, uh, is falling. Mm. But in Europe, yeah, less than 20% are circumcised. Asia, less than 20%. Central right. and South America, less than 20%. 
Yeah, it's just the Jews, Muslims, and it seems like so, the North Americans. So. so do you think it's a religious reason? That's I, why? Like most, of, like there's many reasons, but I think, mo I mean, like like most things in America, it's all driven by um, greed. Judeo-Christian ethic. Well, well, yeah, that. <laughs> but also, like, you know, there is the aspect of... Uh, the monetary gain, you know, like these, uh, these, you know, the doctors are obviously not going to turn down two, two, two to five hundred dollars for having a, for for performing a circumcision. Yeah, but the doctors get five hundred dollars for removing a mole. I mean, it, there's <laughs> so many different. I True, mean, they can build know, the like, insurance out of so much money anyway. I mean, yeah, I don't know if yeah. I mean, it really. Yeah, but then, how much money do you think they make off a of circumcision? Well, this well, it was some statistic I was reading was like you know it's, Jew doctors yeah. raking in all that money, yeah. Zionist it was like conspiracy, millions, million, millions of dollars. Because there's other things that like um, you know they they use they actually use the um, foreskin um, without the knowledge or permission of 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 the of the uh, the owner, the previous owner. Um, like for such things as um, diabetic medicines and cosmetics. What? Where yeah. did you hear this? What kind of cos like a <laughs> facial cream uh, made well, out of ground up newborn they, foreskins? They break down the, the they break down the cells and use it as some kind of uh, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not I'm not a biologist or a or a doctor. Do they get so. stem cells from the baby's foreskin? Well, you don't know. <laughs> Nowadays, getting stem cells from skin, so maybe that's the next. You know, uh, I was kind of wondering what they did with my foreskin after uh, they cut it off. They didn't make it into a wallet. Yeah, I don't know. I imagine the Jews probably do something with it. You know, I, jacket? I don't know. You think that'd be a, that'd be a pretty rad jacket? <laughs> be a nice little ring or something, a yeah. promise ring. Yeah. So you know, today's going to be an interesting, sick and wrong because we're going to have two guests on the show today. It's a point counterpoint. So we're we're, we're discussing the um, we're discussing male circumcision and whether it's relevant today. So the first person we're going to we're going to speak to is. Ron Lowe, Mr. Ron Lowe from a website called TLCTugger.com. And what Ron did is he invented a device that you can actually not regrow your foreskin, but stretch the skin and regenerate, basically reconstruct wow. the foreskin. So you can create your own foreskin with a non-surgical procedure called the TLC Tugger. You can just tug away to That's create incredible. a new foreskin. And so, uh, yeah, he agreed to talk with us about it. And he was actually this even on the Howard Stern show. There's clips of him on the Howard Stern show showing Howard his, uh, his, uh, growing, his new foreskin. So he's going to discuss uh, male circumcision and the TLC Tugger. And after that, we're going to get the counterpoint uh, with an interview with my father, Rabbi Bob, from, <laughs> uh, from Michigan. And cool. uh, he agreed to be on the show as well and talk about why circumcision is still relevant in this day and age. And believe it or not, like he really is passionate about it. Like I was talking to him today and he, and I was like, you know, in, uh, I was like in San Francisco, there's even Jewish groups that, that aren't circumcised anymore. And my dad was just like, you know, I can't believe that. He was like, <laughs> no, he was seriously upset. And I was like, well, dad, I, you know, I don't mean to rile you. I don't want to get you angry. He's like, anything goes in San Francisco. He's just like, wow. he goes, I'm just shocked. And oh, wow. I was like, well, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if they're, if you're going to kick them out of the tribe now, but the, those Michiganians, no, but there is like a movement of uh, Jews that, that no longer want to practice the ritual of circumcision. So we're going to find like out from style. my dad a little later in the show about uh, the uh, the purpose and the, uh, the the purpose circumcision is still is still done and practiced in right. uh, this day and age. So um I guess first off let's uh, give Ron a call here from tlctugger.com yeah. and uh, find out how you can tug tug away to so get a new <laughs> and, foreskin and grow it. Yeah. Wow.
Hello, how you doing? Hey, Ron, how's it going? It's going great. This is uh, D. Simon and Ian calling you from Sick and Wrong. And uh, I'd like to thank you for being on the show tonight, especially with a short notice. No problem. Yeah, thanks, Ron. So, uh, Ron, you're from TLCTugger.com. And the subject of tonight is uh, male circumcision. So, first of all, I just want to say I love your slogan, improving the world one penis at a time. <laughs> well, that derives basically from my view about life, which is that each of us has to find a way to leave the world better than we found it. And uh, I think I found the way that I contribute, which is helping circumcised men. So, so that's basically, in essence, that's what your company, TLCTugger.com, is all about, right? We help men who have been circumcised to regrow enough slack skin on their penis so that they get a lot of the benefit of having a foreskin. They can't regrow the, uh, the nerve endings that are lost, but they can get back the slack that lubricates intimacy. They can get back the protection for the glands and the mucosa just below the glands. And the, the, the skin that they regrow gives them a whole new way of, um, well, it just improves intimacy. So does it give you a whole new sensation? You're actually growing, like, does it appear like an actual foreskin? Yes, it does. I mean, if you go to my website, um, on, our, on our main page, there's a link to my Howard Stern appearance. And you can see the coverage from, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they televised their radio show. So you can see the video of when I showed my restored foreskin to Howard Stern. And, uh, you know, guys have contacted me saying, what are you trying to pull? You were never circumcised. I've seen intact penises before, and that's definitely one. Wow. So clearly it's possible to restore and have it look uh, very natural. So let me, let me just get a little description. So you have a company. Your company is called TLC Tugger? Right. Or is that the device? The name of our primary device is the TLC Tugger, and that's what we chose to name the company. Uh, we started in, a, in 2003, I started making devices. I didn't have a website or a company name yet, but um, I was offering them on eBay to people that I would converse with in the online forums where restoration was discussed. And uh, by 2004, we had incorporated TLCTugger.com, Inc., and uh, for the last uh, five years, we've basically had uh, about 25% annual sales growth every year. And I'm, I'm shocked at that because you would think at some point everybody who's looking for this would find it, and then all your customers would stop ordering. Yeah, that's right, what I'm right, surprised. Right. So do you have repeat customers, or are these just <laughs> new people, like word of mouth gets out? That, that's an excellent question. I really didn't do much you know, keeping track of that sort of thing until recently. I was going to be in England to give a speech, and the people organizing it said, oh, Ron, we're so sorry, but there's only five people signed up for the speech. Do you still want to do it? And I said, well, let me, uh, let me send an announcement to all my clients in your area. So I quickly found that I had 1,000 or so clients wow. in your area, but only 600 unique email addresses among them. Oh, wow. So there is some repeat business going on, you know, if it takes the 600 emails to generate 1,000 orders. So, Ron, describe the TLC Tugger to me. I'm, I'm trying to, to envision this. I, I did check out your website, so I know what it looks like, but just for the listening audience. Certainly. Well, the TLC Tugger is a little, um, it's a little cone. Um, I guess if you could picture, like, a, one of those pointy ice cream cones, Okay. And miniaturize it so it's about the size of the end of your penis. And um, if you were to tuck your penis into the wide end of it, 
Well, we've made that wide end kind of rounded inside, so it accepts the, the, the glands of the penis comfortably. Anyway, so you tuck your glands into the end of the cone, and then you roll the shaft skin that you have left. How much of the shaft is in the, the tugger? Oh, very little, actually. Okay, so it's just the tip of the penis. Yeah, it's like a hat way out on the end. Okay. And uh, so, you, so you, you press your glands against the recess in the cone, and then you force whatever skin you can from your shaft. You roll it up until it's covering the glands and then covering that cone. And then, with your other hand, and it, sometimes it sounds like you need to be an octopus to pull this off, but... It sounds um, involved. With your other hand... I'm sure you can get some help from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it gets interesting. But anyway, you take um, what we call our retaining cone, which is shaped kind of like a lampshade. Um, it's, it's a conical, circular deal with, with the top kind of truncated, and uh, so it's got a hole in it. Like a, mm-hmm. like a typical lampshade shape. And um, you take that and put it over the skin that you've pulled up onto that cone. And you press down, and, and it sort of grips the skin. And because the skin wants to roll back off, because you've sort of stretched it into that position. But you kind of force uh, it into that position. The, the skin is trying to roll off, and the cone is there. And to, to roll off the cone, your skin would have to get wider, and it can't because the retaining cone is there. It's very hard to describe over the air, but when you... It's like anything. When when you touch it, you know, a picture's worth a million words. But, right. Um, basically, without any tape or any adhesive, it grips your skin comfortably, and it keeps it on that cone so that it's stretched into a position that, that keeps gentle tension on your skin. And then there's a metal handle sticking out the middle of the pointy end. Of and, the and that's what you tug on? And you can tug on that handle with elastic straps, which I supply, or some people hang a little weight on there, like maybe just a padlock or something about that size and shape. Um, typically, the weight, if you're using weights, would be between 8 and 16 ounces. And so it stretches the skin above, I guess, the head of your penis, the glands of your penis, right? It pulls the skin basically away from your body. It's tensioning all of your shaft skin, both that's the skin that's facing out and also the skin that's now rolled inward. Uh, that's touching the glands while it's in you know in use. So how long does it take to to stretch into an actual foreskin? Yeah, we don't really like to use the word stretch. Okay. We're stretch. We're stretching on the skin, but we're not stretching new skin. We're growing new skin. Okay. And um, and that happens because you know your body responds to that gentle tension by accelerating Growth. the natural process of cell birth. Basically. Okay, okay. Cell regeneration. Right. Yeah, your skin has layers. The outer layer we call the epidermis, the deeper layer we call the dermis. And it's in the dermis where cells are born. And that happens as basically cells divide. So you got a cell sitting there and nutrients are swimming by in the bloodstream so it's able to knit together a copy of its nucleus and when it's done doing that, it can divide. And then um, the copy and the original have to sort of situate themselves in your skin matrix. And as more cells do that beneath them, the cell we were just talking about works its way to the surface and eventually becomes epidermis. But anyway, when you apply tension, the, the rate of division and regeneration of cells exceeds the rate at which the cells slough off at the surface. Oh, okay. And so, so you gain more cells, and you gain them basically everywhere, all the same. You're just growing more cells in between the ones you already had. And then you just basically you yeah. grow a foreskin. So you grow a new foreskin, but again, you're just growing... The skin. More cells like you had. You can't 
regrow the specialized nerve endings uh, that, that were taken. Right. The, the, the tip of the natural foreskin includes a very dense innervation with some very specialized types of nerve cells that aren't even found anywhere else you know, in human anatomy. Yeah. Uh, some of them have been observed to be sort of J-shaped the way they, they hmm. poke up through the skin so that when your skin, the natural rolling tube of skin that a, that a person is supposed to have, when it rolls up over the end and then rolls back, it sort of does like a 180 on itself if you repeated that process. Anyway, these J-shaped receptors are seem to be finely tuned to respond to that rolling and straightening and bending of the skin. And so a natural man can experience the effect of those types of nerve cells. Somebody who's been cut, their skin is all tight when they're erect. And so you lose, you've lost out on those nerve endings. They they may even have some of those nerve endings left elsewhere in their shaft skin, but they can't know what they were meant to do for them until they have enough slack to feel them bending and straightening. So that's the, I mentioned two ways that having this replacement foreskin helps. And the third way is that it allows your existing nerve endings to act more the way they were supposed to, which you feel them. All I can say is the slack skin rolling around is just. You, well, so it restores some sensitivity is what you're saying. It, it, it improves your pleasure receptivity dramatically. So, Ron, tell me, what was your inspiration to create such a device? Oh, well, really, I, I just sort of and expanded upon existing devices be straight with you um but i mean did one day you just kind of woke up you're like you know what i want my foreskin back like well, what uh, was your I, inspiration here sure that 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 kind of goes a long way back i don't know how much time you want to take on it but really well, be um, succinct but uh <laughs> yeah in 1986 i was subscribing to a monthly publication and i noticed some letters to the editor where, where guys were saying well i don't know what's all what all this debate is about because i'm intact and i don't have any problems with my foreskin and women love you know sucking on my penis and this kind of thing. And it got me thinking that, geez, obviously there really isn't anything wrong with being intact. I sure wish I knew what it was like so I could have decided for myself. And so was, you were circumcised as a child? I was circumcised at birth. And I, you know, and only in 1986 when I finally saw these letters did I get disgusted with that fact that I had been cut without my consent. And do you blame your parents for that? Well, I think that they Society. probably followed advice that was circulating at the time. Right. Nonetheless, I think they, if they had a more naturalistic worldview, you know, my mom yeah. is religious, uh, they would have been more likely to reject the silliness of all that. I think you can't, yeah. you can't think that, you know, the, the human in its current form has been evolving for over 100,000 years, and there's, there's some defective part that we've got to cut off as soon as it's born. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, yeah. it's just a religious view, basically. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and my father, believe it or not, is intact, <laughs> and he allowed me to be cut because his whole life growing up, you know, he'd been to the doctor two and, or three times. And ridiculed. He grew up on a farm where getting to the doctor was a big, hairy ordeal. Uh, so he probably, I mean, he probably didn't know until he went to school and he saw all the other kids that were uh, circumcised. Yeah, is, and is, he, he um, you know, he had been told every time he went to the doctor, you know, see, your problem is that force in there. We got to do, you probably should have had that cut off a long time ago, but oh, well, we, we'll treat it now. So he was kind of convinced that, having a foreskin was a nuisance right, my mom right. was convinced that it was you know biblical or who knows what she thought but so she actually carried me at age three weeks back to the doctor specifically to have part of my body cut off and i could i could really strangle her for that which it would just kind of late because don't they usually cut newborns aren't you like a few days old yeah mostly if they're going to do it you know to a newborn they do it within the first week or two so of, did... often before they leave the hospital though yeah okay so then you 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 did some research you're you, you oh. all of a sudden, you got the idea in your mind that 
you wanted to get your foreskin back. So is there like a foreskin movement you joined, like a foreskin restoration movement? I wouldn't say I joined one. I mean, I, I after getting disgusted with circumcision, I kept hearing about it on the radio now and then. And then in 1995, an author named Jim Bigelow, and his book is called The Joy of Uncircumcising, he was on the radio promoting the book, and I heard him discuss the idea of restoring the foreskin, and that was the first time I had heard about that. And he was saying, well, yeah, we, we put these tapes on the skin, and we hang weights, and, you know, that didn't sound very appetizing to me. <laughs> so wait, they hang, so they would uh, attach, like, a device on the tip of their penis and just hang weights off of it? Well, you, what you do is you tape, the, really, you tape the skin that's midway down the shaft, and then you force that of skin to roll forward over the glands and that's when you attach the weight so you're not really hanging on the end of the penis you're hanging on the skin tube well i heard about there's a surgical procedure that some men also get yeah i i would say that um surgery first of all we don't call it restoration we call it reconstruction if you're going for surgery and it was it is really an absolute last resort for people who have had for, for example, some infants get infections at right. the circumcision site, and they wind up losing a whole lot of skin, and they have, you know, grafts. Right. From, where, where do they take the skin from for that? Uh, sometimes they take it from the scrotum. Sometimes they take it from the thigh or the belly. Oh, wow. Uh, one guy I know had it done from the forearm. But anyway, surgical reconstruction is really for people that have had a, just a drastic, severe, you know, yeah. fortune. It is not a good approach for somebody who's got enough slack to restore non-surgically because the result is always terrible. For one thing, I mean, aesthetically it's terrible, or are you just saying it doesn't heal properly? Sensitivity-wise, I mean, you're taking usually skin from the scrotum, so you wind up with an even tighter scrotum, which is horrible. Yeah, you'd think that would be painful. And, and so now you've got where you wish you had the thinnest, most supple and sensitive skin like a natural force. You have scar tissue scrotal skin, which right. is hair-bearing and puckered, right. and you've got more scar lines. And every time you cut the body and create a scar, the nerve cells don't just get severed, they die back away. It's kind of like if you trimmed a tree and that whole branch fell off. Right. And, and so it's just a terrible thing to have to endure, and it's not a quick fix by any means. Because, for example, the method that takes skin from the scrotum is a three-step surgery. So, wow, a three-part wow. surgery. Wow. So you do it, you do one thing, and then you, you let that heal, and then you go back and do another thing. You know, after that's completely healed, you, you have to go back again under the knife, go through another healing process months later, and then if you want a surgical touch-up, you go for this third part to make the, the tip of the tube pucker a little bit more. And so, you know, it could be a year before you're even, you know, back in business with your penis. Wow. So, you're, so you have to be seriously committed to this yeah. uh, foreskin reconstruction here. Yeah, to do something a like year that without a penis. So yeah. you you were obviously <clears throat> definitely turned off by this alternative. So then you decided, well, I can create my own device, my own instrument. Well, when when I heard about the tapes and the weight, uh, at at first I said, "There's no way I'm doing that. That's that's extreme. I just I don't. I'm sure I wouldn't have the patience to endure that. Although I can imagine that sex might be better if I did. And then in 2000. Um, I, I will just say that I had an occasion with my wife where she had a hell of a good time one night, and I didn't you know, have an orgasm at all that whole night. And I thought, you know, this is about it. I'm really done losing sensitivity. I'm just getting more and more numb. And so I decided to do some research again, and I found out about non-surgical restoration, including with tapeless devices. 
and they all seemed kind of expensive. So I decided I would start out with tape and see how that goes to see if it was... Did it work or... Really going to work. And so for a few months, I was taping with a method called the canister. And the canister is the film canister that 35 millimeter film comes in, if anybody's... Right. That. Yeah. So you, you, you tape up your penis and just stick it in a film canister? You, you, you tuck your glands into the canister, then you roll your chef skin up onto the outside of the canister okay, yeah. and right. tape it to the outside. And then you can, because you've prepared the base of the canister with a, a way to fix a little metal handle to it, you can then tug on the whole canister and it pulls your skin. So it's like a rudimentary version of what you've made. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, so I used the canister for a few months and it really seemed to be working well. So that's when I said, well, I'm going to invest in a tapeless device like so, in online. What did your wife think of this, Ron? Well, that's the funny thing. Um, on April 1, 2001, I still remember we were sitting around watching TV, and I said, "Hun, let's mute this for a second. got to talk to you about something. And so I, it was a serious <laughs> discussion. Yeah. I said, uh, you know, this is what I found out on the web, and I, and I think part of my sensitivity issue is that I, I don't have a foreskin, and, I, and there's a way to regrow skin, and I'm gonna, I really need to give it a try. And she looked at me, and then she said, ha, you got me. April Fool's <laughs> She said, this is ridiculous, right? And I said, no, I'm serious, and I need your support. And wow. uh, that was the last I had to say about it. I've had her support ever since, and, of course, now she's an equal partner in this TLCTugger.com business. And you're making, oh, wow. you're making so, money, yeah, and paying so the bills. Is it true? I mean, do, do you have more sensitivity? Is sex, does it feel different for an uncircumcised male as opposed to a circumcised male? Yeah, it's night and day, and it's funny because, um, you know, I'll most... never know. <laughs> well, maybe most not. Most of our married life... Uh, I wasn't restored like this, and my wife used to grab my penis and sort of like try and rake the skin up and down. It was like what right. naturally felt like doing. You know, well, it, I think it's because a lot of women don't know how to give a guy a proper hand job. Well, I'm not saying she did or didn't know anything, but it seemed like the natural inclination was to sort of grip the skin so firmly that no, no friction happened. It was just like trying to move the skin. Right. And now, Without lubrication. I have slack skin, that same motion is completely effective and yeah. perfect. And wow. it's funny that she naturally wanted to do this all the time. But hmm. the well, time... Do you have a biology background, or is it just this is all research in, over the time? No, it's, it's really... What I know about this is what I've learned from studying it and paying a close attention to what other people said about it. I, um, hmm. I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I have a master's degree in marketing. And in hmm. fact, I never did take biology, even in high school. Oh wow! 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 So, so Ron, do you think? Do you think? In I guess in this country, I think more women probably don't know that many or haven't been with as many men with foreskins. But do you think, just on an aesthetic level, more women prefer cut men or uncut men? Well, you know, aesthetic is really what you're conditioned to. There's no yeah. natural appreciation for anything. You have to learn it. And uh, in the U.S., I, I'm, I'm afraid you will find a lot of people that are of, you know, sexually active age today would say foreskin growth. Right. Because but they don't know otherwise. I right. really find that I, I'm happy to say that's their problem and they got to get over it because today about half of infants are being left intact in the U.S. And right. if you're in the four western states, it's more like three-fourths are being left in. Yeah, I've heard only 20% are yeah, cut 20 in California. Yeah, 20% of California new, newborns are cut, and like something like 57 are cut now in, in North America. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. like what I heard. Yeah. So, so um, you know, it, we're, we're getting in step with the rest of the world. I mean, most of the world, the parts that once circumcised, they've pretty much stopped, and there's so many places where it just never caught on, like Germany or Sweden. Or right. Well, people say there's a health reason. Like, uh, you're supposed to be less prone to catching STDs. 
Yeah, well, you know, every mammal on Earth evolved a foreskin before there was ever surgery or soap, so I, I, I can't believe that there's really any merit to any of that. Um, you know, they don't have any more uh, penile cancer in Finland or Sweden than they right. have here in the U.S., and right. almost nobody is circumcised in Finland or Sweden. Right. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, so, so, Ron, I have a question about the, the TLC tugger itself. Mm -hmm. So how often do you need to tug? On it. So when you when you start using the device, do people tug throughout the day? Do they hang weights off of it just all day? You yeah. know, wear loose fitting pants. I advise people that the more you use the device, the quicker you'll grow skin. Now, some people disagree with me. I will I will admit that there is unfortunately no scientific consensus about the best way to expand skin. Um, Anybody would tell you that you should, you should use your tugging method at least half of all hours in a week. Some people take that as five days a week. Some people take that as nights only, right. you know, however you want to do it. But I, I say tug 24-7 if you can, and obviously nobody can, so you get to maybe 80 to 85% of all hours you're under tension. So, but, I mean, do you tug in private, I imagine? No, I tug everywhere. I, I like to get paid to tug. So <laughs> when I had a day job, I, I like tugging in May, by the way. Um, when I had a day job, I would wear a tugger to work and walk around, you know, the factory or my office and be wearing my tugger and growing my skin and earning well, a check. How would well, you tug? So it would be connected to your leg then? Yeah, the tugger right. is attached to me and the handle is attached to an elastic strap and the strap is wrapped around my leg just below the knee. So you're not actually manually tugging with your hand. It's actually like a... Oh. a right, no. So, right. so did people, were people curious? I mean, I imagine people must have asked you some questions. Nobody asked me anything because they didn't know I was doing it. Right, it's, right, it's just right. discreet. They probably right. had no it, idea. Right. Well, when I started restoring, I went on eBay and I bought four pair of dockers in very loose or relaxed cuts. Right. And uh, that got me started. And so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that nobody, unless I told them, knew anything about it. So at what point do you stop tugging? Well, you can stop tugging whenever you want uh, if you think you've got enough slack skin. I tugged in earnest for three and a half years. It's a lot of tugging. Yeah, and uh, and that's when I took like the after photo that's on my website. Wow. And well, then, people are going to have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, if you go to tlctugger.com and click products and then TLC Tugger, you'll see the after photo I'm talking about. So, um, so it cut... It kind of looks like a Prince Albert. Like, I guess, you know, the piercing that, that, that people get in the end of their pe penis, then they, that, that was named after, um, supposedly named after Prince Albert. He used to wear tight pants. And so he would have his penis pierced so that it would connect. Um, he, he would have a strap so he could tie his penis to the side of his leg. And wow. then down, down the side I've of his leg. never heard that. Yeah. I always wondered that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, in the, the, there are people uh, who use a, a PA... Uh, and our device. I have no first-hand experience with how to guide right. them, but there's a whole group of people completely independent of me. They've they've set up a user group on Yahoo called TLC Adult. Are you are you their hero? Their like demo, demigod or? Well, I, I won't say that. <laughs> the Chicago did once describe me as a savior. Right, right. Oh, it, it sounds like you're definitely, definitely an inspiration definitely. to a lot of people. So, real, real quick here, Ron, would tugging on my penis actually make it longer? Not, <laughs> not that I that I need help. I'm just, yeah. I just want to know. The thing of it is, we know that pulling on the skin makes the skin grow longer. Right. And if you think about the the skin that you're tugging on, is really it's just at the perimeter of your shaft, okay? And the total cross-sectional area of that skin only 
might be, say, a half of a square inch. The cross-section of the whole penis still use that. <laughs> might be, you know, three inches or something. And so the stress that you can create with a pound of, you know, one pound weight hanging on your penis, if you, if you apply one pound of weight to a half inch of area, that's two PSI, stress. If you apply that same one pound weight of, to, to three square inches of shaft, that's only a third of a PSI. So the stress is like one-sixth as great for the whole shaft as mm. it is for the skin tube. So I would expect the same weight to induce shaft growth at no more than one-sixth the rate that it causes skin growth. So you, you're, so you would probably get at least an inch or so. <laughs> may get some skin growth. I personally seem to have grown. And, be, you know, when I started doing this, I made a lot of careful measurements. Right. I seem to have gained about a quarter inch of shaft during the same time that I grew four inches of skin. Wow. So a six You've grown four inches of, of foreskin. Absolutely. And the wow. way I measure four inches, in case you're curious how you would gauge that, yeah. I get erect, and then I roll my skin forward over the glands as far as I can. Wow. And if, you know, if today there's a, an inch of glands showing, and in one year I can get my skin all the way to the very tip of the glands, Wow. then I've grown how many inches of skin? That's probably more than, that's, I, than I have. <laughs> yeah, that's, that would be, by my way of measuring, two inches of skin, because the skin has to go out to the tip and then come back, because right. we're talking about rolling the skin forward. So I've grown four inches of skin. I think a lot of our listeners are now going to be uh, encouraged to go to your website after hearing that. Yeah. So wh where can people buy the TLC Tugger? Is it just from your website? Yeah, today you go to tlctugger.com and there's you know shopping icons. You click add to cart and check out with PayPal and that kind of thing. I really hope that someday in the future you'll be able to buy at least our retaining cone at like Walgreens and Walmart. Yes, I was wondering like, yes. if Walmart or Target stocked any. Have you ever approached Walmart about it? Not yet. We just got some, some good news from the FDA, which gives me confidence to do that. But um, I, I didn't describe to you before, you know, I described tugging. But in fact, you don't have to aggressively tug on your skin to right. benefit from these techniques. You can right. just take the skin you've got left, roll it over the glands, and apply our retaining cone. You're not adding any additional tension, but you are keeping your skin over Taut. the glands. So right. the glands and the skin facing the glands will get a lot more supple and sensitive. And that's the easiest thing in the world to do. You can wear that under briefs. There's no straps, no weight. So that's the device I really think could have a big impact if it was available at Walgreens. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll never need, we, we, we'll get to the point when we won't need the, the device anymore. Absolutely. Quite possibly. Well, Ron, it definitely sounds like you are improving the world one penis at a time. <laughs> You're living up to the slogan. Hey, thanks for talking to us on Sick and Wrong. And the website's tlctugger.com. Um, I, I imagine a lot of our fans will be checking it out soon enough. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. Right. Thank you, Ron. Take care, Ron. Bye -bye. Cheers. Bye. bye. So that was interesting. Very, very much. I don't think much. I've ever actually had a discussion with with another man about his penis. <laughs> in, For, seriously, that, like that in depth. To, yeah, uh, like uh, an intimate conversation about a guy's penis and how um and how he to stretches play, and foreskin. how to play with it. Yeah. Although, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I don't, I'm not entirely convinced that it would add length to your member. 
You think? <laughs> I mean, it sounded. Well, it sounded I mean, it, obviously, like you know, if it if it did it that easily and and, and at, at all, I guess you know everybody be doing it. So yeah. But I, I mean, know. the fact that he could discuss it so technically. Yeah. He does you know, break it down to that. I was, no, I, I was impressed. Level. I was, I was yes. just impressed because, you know, in, in, the way he said that he measured it so methodically, like mm. throughout the whole stretching experience. Well, and also, like, I, I was, that's why I asked that question about, you know, his biology background. He seemed to have, like, a lot of knowledge about, you know, like, cell, you know, cell reproduction and stuff, uh, you know, skin cell reproduction. Wackerly is going to be upset that he missed that because he could just probably discuss in engineering terms <laughs> stretching the foreskin. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know what blows my mind about it is the fact that he has so many. You know, I mean, obviously he must sell a lot of these. It's, it says well, it's now he quit his job, right? Is yeah, he quit his yeah, job. Yeah, he yeah, supports yeah. himself yeah. with this. But you know, what I was going to ask him too is like, so what do you tell your friends and family that you do? You know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I mean, it sounds like it's a family operation. He yeah, works with yeah. his wife. He's cooking them downstairs in the basement, and she's making phone calls. But it, it just kind of cracks me up because I always wondered what type of guy would just wake up one day and be like, "Man, I wish I had my foreskin back." Oh yeah, I mean, it seems like it took over, it was over a period of time, but yeah. But. but I mean, it sounds like you know the increased sensitivity. You know, don't you think with a you know I've often wondered about that. If you have it's, your foreskin, are you gonna you know not, blow your load quicker? Well, so don't you think oh, that the woman would probably rather you not have one? Yeah, well, I guess you know like they've done like he was saying you know they like um, they've done interviews and stuff and and like most North American women seem to think it's more you know a, a attractive as well as like you know obviously that, that being that uncircumcised help. yeah yeah like they're being circumcised sorry yeah yeah, yeah me yeah. being circumcised right, right, yeah right, right so you know you know what i think it is i think he just wanted smegma <laughs> he just wanted smegma he's like you know i miss not having some smegma we miss he didn't have it you know yeah he, he never actually even got to have any smegma yeah, yeah. no nah, i mean seriously that's got to be but a I mean, bitch though like, is smegma a bitch I luckily I use well, you, stuff, you stuff take a shower. So, yeah, luckily I use this stuff called soap. I don't know if you heard of it, but I don't, I don't but, think many English people know what soap is, or is it toothpaste? Well, yeah, it's the same stuff. Whatever you run out of, but so, but I mean, like, um, it must be a weird thing to go like cause it's not it's not really often where you can like experience two sides of the same coin, you know, like, like it's like saying like, okay, what, well, you know, you're an amputee and then you're not an amputee, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That is, you know what I, mean? I mean, it's interesting. It's like, it's like, how can you, you know, I guess, you know, if you, well, I mean, some people get sex changes, you know, man becomes a woman. Yeah. You get to, you get to feel, I mean, but this yeah. is, but they, but the, yeah, the reverse of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. fascinating. So, yeah. so there you have it. There's the point. Um, circumcision in, in Ron Lau's mind is wrong. And uh, let's let's move on to the counterpoint, uh, the the Jewish perspective on why circumcision is still relevant in this day and age. Yeah. So we're gonna have to give my father here, um, Rabbi Bob, a phone call. I was actually kind of amazed that he agreed to do this interview on Second Row. Well, he's very. I hear he's very passionate about the subject, so he probably obviously wants to counteract what what uh, Ron said about. You know what I think it is? I don't. I think he's never actually listened to the show. <laughs> But uh, man, you know, maybe uh, maybe we'll have a new fan here. Uh, so um, yeah, let's give uh, Rabbi Bob a call. Hello, Rabbi, how are you doing? Doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. This is D. Simon and Ian here, Hello, calling Rabbi. from uh, Sick and Wrong. Hello, Rabbi Bob. Thanks for doing the show. It must be kind of late over there in Michigan. Yes, it's uh, five after twelve. Are, are rabbis usually up this late at, at midnight? I am. I'm a night owl. I always have been. 
<laughs> well, thanks for talking to us today on Sick and Wrong. Oh, it's my pleasure. The subject of the show is uh, is circumcision, and um, I know that the uh, the ritual of circumcision is still uh, widely used with the with the Ju- with the Jewish religion, um, the Islamic religion, and I mean a lot of uh, Christianity still does it here, in, at least in the United States. And so um, we we just spoke to someone who's an anti-circumcision advocate. And so now we're kind of getting the other perspective of the argument okay. by speaking to you. So in Judaism, Halakha, the Jewish law, states that circumcision is a mitzvah ash, a positive commandment? Yes. It goes back to the time of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, where Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac as part of, the, uh, as part of his uh, joining the covenant at that time, a covenant of monotheism between himself and God. And since that time, it, it mentions in the book of Genesis, uh, every male among you shall be circumcised. Again, the commandment is repeated several other times in the uh, Torah, in the first five books. It's considered a very, a very sacred part of this covenant. The, the young child, at the age of eight days, entered into this covenant between God and the Jewish people. So now, but what was the purpose of it? Was it to to uh, signify that you're a Jew, or is it like why would God have a commandment of that sort, of that type? I would say, again, I don't know the mind of God, but I would say that that God that God came came up with it simply because if he wanted he wanted to distinguish these people as part of to show them some visible side of the covenant, and that. And that was in that particular culture side of it there. Don't forget, you're dealing with the Bible, especially those of us who are not orthodox. Look upon the Bible as a compilation of sources put together in the various culture of the time. And the same, and interestingly enough, uh, there's a lot of overlap between Islam and Judaism. And in the ancient Middle East, there, were, there was this custom of circumcision. They probably did it there for reasons of hygiene, what have you. Nevertheless, in Judaism, things, for example, just like the laws, the dietary laws. Like uh, keeping kosher. Hygiene originally, they became holy to, to make the Jewish people aware of their unique role in the world. And circumcision, I would say, comes under that category. So do all Jews circumcise their kids, like the, their male children? Yes. Uh, so even in Israel, like uh, this, the Sephardic Jews, they, they still uphold this tradition? Yes, that is one of the things that unites Jews in these traditions. For example, uh, we have the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, coming very shortly. All Jews observe Rosh Hashanah. All Jews blow the shofar, the ram's horn. And equally, when, there's a, when a male is born, he is circumcised. And in modern Judaism, we have a similar thing called a covenant ceremony. Of course, no circumcision, obviously, for a girl, because we believe in equality between men and women and male and female. So now, what about an adult male who decides to convert to Judaism? Would he have to undergo circumcision if he was uncircumcised? Let me take the orthodox and conservative viewpoint. In the orthodox and conservative viewpoint, which of course covers traditional Judaism, yes, the male, if he has not been circumcised, must be circumcised. If, on the other hand, he was circumcised medically, with no religious ceremony, then he must do two things. They they draw a a drop of blood, and it's a very simple operation, much simpler than drawing blood even at a hospital lab. They draw the drop of blood, and the man must go into a ritual bath. 
So wait, did they wait. draw a drop of blood from his finger? No, from his penis. What? Okay, from his penis. Wow. And then he has to go into a ritual I mean, bath? It sounds worse than it really is. <laughs> anything, anything being prodded around my penis gets me a little wor worried. Oh, let me say this. In Reform Judaism, which I represent, right. in Reform Judaism, there's not a requirement. Some Reform rabbis will recommend it. We never require it. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the ritual itself. Uh, Brit Milah, or, or bris, the bris, the bris is what it's, it's yes. called colloquially. Yes. Well, explain the ceremony to, um, to our listening audience. Yes. Well, we must understand that Judaism, there's a covenant. The whole idea is covenant between the Jewish people and God. A covenant not just of laws, but of social justice. In other words, to make this world a better place. We, that's the covenant. We are that way, as we call ourselves, a covenant people with that in mind. Therefore, because it is a covenant, when a young male enters the, enters the eighth day of his life, he is, um, he is given the, the circumcision, and it's different from, uh, from what a doctor does. How so? There, there are blessings which are said. First of all, they bring in often the grandparents and someone who holds the child, and he sits in a special chair called the chair of Elijah. Because Elijah the prophet is supposed to usher in the messianic age, this age of justice, brotherhood, and peace. So it's like a social event? It's like a ceremony, it's right? It's a social and a ritual event, right. which, which brings the family together. And then you have the godparents who will hold the child, and then the, they'll say some prayers. Then they'll say a special blessing, pointing out how, how, God, how God has given us commandments, and we must in turn observe the commandments, especially the commandment in this case of circumcision. And then this man, who in Hebrew is called Mohel, he does nothing else but specialize in circumcisions. He is much, much quicker, and actually in many cases much more efficient than a doctor, because a doctor does a whole draw-out medical operation. Right. This man does it quickly and efficiently. In well, fact, Queen Elizabeth had her male children uh, done, done by, uh, by a... Uh, by Mohel, a Mohel? A Jewish Mohel. So is a Mohel a doctor? No, but he has medical training. So how, how do you become a moyle? Like, do you, well, is it a hobby or is it it's another profession? It's a profession. And, the, and they are trained by, orth, again, let's take the orthodox point of view. The mohel must observe orthodox Jewish law and must be trained this way by a man who is equally observant. He's doing it not as a medical operation, but as an operation with the idea of a covenant. Uh, he's trained that way now. In Reform Judaism today, we use a male... And equally, because of women, a female mohel also could be trained. And we in the reform movement use our own, often will use our own mohel. So what, so exactly, what is the mo, so is there anesthesia involved with the child? Because you always hear people, especially people who are anti-circumcision, says that the child experiences extreme pain and trauma. Uh, let me disagree with that very strongly, because first of all, the child has never told them he does. Secondly... Well, he wouldn't yeah. because he because he's you know like two days old, right? So well, how, how old is the child? The reason has to be done on the eighth day. Okay. Is, and many physicians have pointed out this, this pointed this out. On the eighth day, the nerves are not developed yet. Uh, we know the child could live medically, but the nerves are not developed yet, so the child really feels nothing. The nerves in the penis or the nerves to the you in, know to the well, brain, the, the, generally to the penis. Right. Then what we do also, as uh, part of the ceremony. After the child is given a name, oh yes, I meant to point out, the child is given a name also at the ceremony. And it's pointed out this name, and it was pointed out the whole idea. That as the child has entered the covenant of Abraham, 
So may he enter the covenant of marriage, the covenant of studying the Torah, and the covenant of good deeds. Right. But the circumcision is entrance into life. The but, other thing is he gets older. The other part of the covenant will come also. Uh, well, wouldn't they do other rituals like bar mitzvah? But, I mean, if they have, like, going back to, like, if they have, like, um, they say the nerve endings aren't developed enough to, to where they all feel, feel, feel pain or trauma, then, what, then so many people talk about this, the almighty scream of the child when it, when it actually in, endures the, the surgery. Well, a, ch- a child will scream anyway when, the, when certain things are done. I mean, the child doesn't know it would scream anyway. Plus what we do also, we give the child some wine. When he's through, we take a little piece of gauze plaster and we give the child wine and that usually knocks the child out. <laughs> so you get the kid drunk first and then ch- chop off the tip you know, of his penis. We, ju- we, Jews celebrate wine. We, we Jews celebrate our rituals with wine. <laughs> Equally, there's very little alcoholism and drunkenness among Jews. I feel personally that this is so because... We, we, we don't have wine or alcohol or something forbidden, therefore you shouldn't do it. We don't, we frown upon drunkenness, but everything within moderation is fine, be it sex or anything else. Within moderation is fine. Right. Huh. Well, I <coughs> kind of hope you gave me some whiskey back even, then. Even penis chopping. Whiskey, wine, Morgan David wine. So why, in your opinion, do you feel that circumcision is still relevant in this era, in, this mod- in modern times? First of all, many physicians have said uh, it's good, it prevents cancer of the penis, uh, it, it, and, and the fact there's no foreskin, the, uh, it's much easier to keep it clean and so forth, away from infections. Uh, and I think also, in terms of why we survived the thousands of years, simply because we believe in a covenant, a covenant that's kept us together as Jews. And, and I think it's very important that a young Jewish child being born, a baby being born, enters this covenant, is conscious of this covenant, that when they get married, they equally will circumcise their children and then teach their children the idea of the covenant. So it's tradition. It's basically just tradition, right, is what you're yes. saying. I mean, I think tradition, in any religion, but especially our own religion, tradition and identity are both very important. But, I mean, we just... we. Um, d- uh, Dee said earlier that, I mean, like, even the American Medical Association... Um, like, well, they said it's an unnecessary procedure. Okay. But in terms of, I guess, you know, in terms of religion, it's a tradition. Yes. That they're right. passing on. Right. It's a tradition again to each his own. Right. So, so why do you think there's there's currently a backlash against circumcision even amongst Jews? Well, you know, they often say Jews are just like everybody else, only more so. And I think in the West Coast, where many of these Inter- let me say, interesting trends have begun. Jews are very much involved in these things. Oh, okay, so I, so have you ever had to counsel a couple about circumcision? No, I've never. In my years in the rabbinate, I never had that. Uh, <clears throat> I never had the, that situation. So, so it's just a given that 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 they'll that it's going to have that chart, yeah. Yes, but usually don't forget if if people belong to a congregation, they're generally people who are establishment type Jews. Now there are, I know there are many people who are not establishment. And again, to each of their own. Right. So, so um, Rabbi, I wanted to ask you another, another question here. I've read about like a, a traditional Hasidic Jewish custom called Metziza Bipeh, which I don't know if this is a, it's a people had had, had uh, brought this up a while ago and sent me an email about it. And I, apparently, in New York City, a Hasidic rabbi was being investigated by the New York City health officials. After a child had died of herpes, and apparently this centuries-old ritual 
um, is is when a uh, when a, a moil would use his mouth to suck blood <laughs> from the wound caused by cutting the baby's foreskin. Yes. Have you ever heard of this tradition? It's a tradition done by very very Orthodox Jews. However, it's frowned upon today again for the reason that you said, and uh, no no modern mohel would ever do that. So, but but what, what's the what, even so, even even in like the really old, you know really strong Hasidic Jewish right, communities? Right. Well, again, the ultra ultra Orthodox probably I would imagine still do, but certainly I mean like here we have a couple of excellent, very competent conservative mohalim, the plural mohalim, right? They they will never do that. What they do is the whole idea is to wipe up the blood and everything around there. They use gauze and antiseptic things like that. So, and the Mohalim Mohal I've officiated with over the years, they'll tend to put all their ointments and everything out beforehand. So you think you're like in a, a mini pharmacy. Okay, so this is a tradition that is definitely outmoded and not widely practiced. Yes, and this is why we recommend strongly today, and even, I think even modern Orthodox does, use a Mohal trained properly in uh, sanitation, medical, and everything else. And I can only say that a couple of Mohalim I know in in two two conservative congregations here in Detroit, and they are really excellent. So now, why would you think that? Um, I know Jews in in Jewish law and in Islamic law, it's a commandment uh, to to have this covenant with God. But why would Christians in in America well, adopt this tradition? Yeah, or adopt this uh, adopt circumcision? Well, again, mainly feel for uh, for cleanliness. For okay, hygiene. so it's hygiene. Yes. Hmm. That's fascinating. So, so finally, um, Rabbi, I want to ask you this one other question here. Uh, we just interviewed a guy who created a device that uh, it's called the TLC Tugger, which uh, basically restores one's foreskin. Which, and uh, apparently, uh, the, the guy's quite successful with it, and uh, this is his uh, day job now. So, what would happen if a Jewish person restored their foreskin? Like would that? Would, would he still be Jewish? Would you still be Jewish? Yes. Uh, again, we don't practice excommunication, so uh, yes, he would still be Jewish. But is that worse right, than right, being right. tattooed? Because if you're tattooed, you're not allowed to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. And that is an Orthodox custom. Uh, we reform Jews with bury a person tattoos a lot uh, in, a, in, in a cemetery. Okay, so I'm okay. <laughs> I got a few of them. All right, well, Rabbi, thank you for uh, discussing circumcision with us. Oh, it's, my pleasure. Thank it, you. It's, it's good to have the opposite side of the, the argument here because yes. we present having, one side, and it's nice to have the counterpoint. the opposite point. side of a, of, a, of a rabbi who follows Jewish tradition and yet is liberal. So I'd follow a liberal interpretation of Jewish tradition. Right. Of Jewish tradition. All right. Well, thank you, Rabbi, for speaking to us. And uh, have a great night. Thank you yeah, very much. You yeah. too. Thanks Take a lot. Goodbye. Okay, bye. So that was fascinating. Wow. Yes. You know, it, it, it's... Even, a, even, even a liberal view of, uh, I mean, a rabbi, but even a liberal view is, still includes uh, um, circumcision, which is pretty, uh, pretty damning. Really. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little shocked because yeah. I had actually asked my father about the Hasidic vampire rabbis, <laughs> you know, that suck well, the blood and... out of their infant's penis. And, you know, I asked him about this about a year ago when I found out about this, this obscure tradition here. And he, like, Kind of was elusive totally about denied. it. Completely oh, denied it. He was like, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. But right. when I brought up the Hebrew term, 
Oh. You know, all of a sudden, I think he had to spill like spill an ancient beans. rabbi secret here. <laughs> and uh, so now we now we just create this conception that all Jews suck the blood out of their uh, their children's penises. You know, I think now he just made even oh. more of a negative version of Jews, yes. like a negative image here. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially that what was that one that recently or whatever got p- prosecuted for killing a baby through that through by herpes. But yeah, by by giving the child herpes through his open they, sore in his mouth. I, I mean, had no idea though when i was asking him if an adult male would have to be circumcised i didn't know you had to like cut blood and then get in a ritual bath but wait a minute what happens if the if you if you're an adult and you get circumcised and it bleeds and you're orthodox do that does then the the moil still have to suck the penis or you know that we should have asked him that. <laughs> you know that's a, that's a question enough for another time yeah, for Rabbi yeah. Bob. Here. Maybe we shouldn't know. Would need to know that anyway. So all in all, there you have it. Both sides of the issue of circumcision, whether it's wrong or whether it's right, I guess it's entirely up to you. You know, uh, after hearing both sides of the argument here, and uh, you know, I think uh, not that I would ever have a kid, but I think if I did. I would cut the kid just to make sure he went through the same amount of pain that I did. But I would give him whiskey, you're, not shitty Jewish wine. You're vindictive. That's all. Well, what about you? Would you cut your kid? <laughs> Hell no. Actually, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I mean, um, I know I just, just recently a few of my really close girlfriends have had um, children and uh, they, I've, I, I specifically asked them that question like, and they, they just, they, they go, and I try to talk them out of it. But you're they, trying to persuade them not to two, cut. Yeah. And they and uh, and they, you know, they were in adamant. San Francisco. Yes, in San Francisco. Yeah, and and I really persuade them, and they 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 were just like, I don't want to get in, I don't want to get into it with you, but I mean, um, and the only reason they're not Jewish, the only reason they were doing it is to fit in, so that yeah, when their kids you know, grew up and they were in the, you know, the, with the frat boys in the in the showers uh, after after football, then they wouldn't look any different than than. You, you know what though? This might be a chauvinistic view. On the whole issue. But, okay, it's up to the woman, ultimately, whether or not to decide to have the child. Right. Because we can't really force her, you know, to abort. Unless you, but unless it's you up get... to the guy to decide whether or not to cut. <laughs> cut the penis Seriously, off. dude. It's, it's up yeah. to us. Because we're going to be like, all right, this is my kids, Johnson. And I need to decide whether or not, you know, I want him to have a circumcised or an uncircumcised member. Right. I mean, right. I, that's just well, only a me. guy can, can really, like, make Could that relate. decision. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. It's yeah. like, you know. And so, yeah, I think all in all... If I had a kid, which would never happen, because... Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank the Lord. Because <laughs> I think my kid would be an FLK, a funny-looking kid, uh, or fuck-looking kid. But yeah, he would uh, have to be cut. Uh, but, uh, that, it, you know, it was good to talk to um, Rob Lau and uh, Rabbi Bob here on the show. And I hope definitely, uh, definitely. a very educational show for the sick and wrong listening yeah, audience. Yeah, a little bit different. Feel free to call the sick and wrong junk dial line. You think that dial a slut chick is a busy? Two oh six 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 three eight four six. Can I help you, sir? Well, uh, Ian, uh, it's nearing the end of the show, and uh, you know, as usual in the second wrong, we tend to get to phone calls. Which we do. We got like twenty phone calls this week, yeah, and I'm not going to be able to get to everyone's phone calls because we're kind of running out of time here. I'm going to play a couple, a couple funny ones that we can talk about, okay. and then uh, save the ones for next week with uh, Wacker. We also got some emails to get to, so um, yeah, let's get to uh, these phone calls. People, you can call the Sick and Wrong hotline at 206-666-3846 or send us an email at sickandwrongpodcast at hotmail.com. Hey, sick fucks, this is Dead Sexy from Jersey again. I Wasn't forgot you last about this episode, guy. You guys are talking about <laughs> shitting the bed. 
Where is it with you people? Well, since it's on the subject, I got a new sex move for you. You're doing your lady from behind, right? Doggy style, pounding it. And then when you're ready to bust, you know, she's kind of clenched up like, oh, yeah, give it to me. She arches her back. You want to pull out and kind of stand over her ass. And you see where her spine is, like a nice arch, that nice line? You, you got to drop a perfect log in that line all the way to her fucking head. It's called a chocolate spinal tap. <laughs> Love that shit. Later. A chocolate spinal tap. Wow. Wow. You know, you know, it's, you know what cracks me up about this guy? A, do you really think he gets laid? He sounds like a young man. I mean, hopefully he is for his sake, but yeah. And B, what I do like about this guy. So if uh, you from recall. The whole, think about that. From the spine to the head. A whole, follow the whole lot curvature of the spine. That's, that's a pretty long. That's a long tube I mean, I don't know shit. what he eats, but, but I mean. Yeah, a lot of Taco Bell, maybe. <laughs> but you know, you know what's funny? If you recall, Dead Sexy called in like I don't know, a few shows ago with some other sex moves that he had created. One, I think, involved like a babushka hat or something. I don't, I don't even remember. Like wearing your grandma on your head. And, and I think Wackerly and I criticized him for not understanding the concept of the humiliating misogynistic yeah. sex moves. Right. Well, it sounds like he got it down. Yeah. He's humiliating yeah, he's the woman. He grasped by, the whole... Yeah. yeah, like he's grasping the concept. He's humiliating the girl by shitting a line of shit from her ass to her head. Nice. Chocolate spinal Very tap, classy. people. Very Chocolate classy. spinal tap. You're yeah. going to have to try it out. Uh, what's uh, call number two? Hey, this is Jonathan calling from New York City. Uh, first time calling. I love you guys. Love your show. You guys are awesome. like the stories. So I'm listening to the podcast right now, and uh, you're actually going over, I think it's uh, show 140, and there, one of the callers was calling in uh, about last week's show where you talked about shitting on your wife or your partner. Well, as a gay man in New York City, I first have to say that, you know, uh, not with me, but I know a lot of other people who've had times where... They didn't shit on their partner, but they're having sex. And after anal sex with their partner, some stuff comes out uh, after everyone's passed out and just kind of enjoying it. So uh, that does happen. And um, a lot of gay guys also eat each other, eat their ass out. So when this guy's calling and he's saying that he kind of didn't like the relationship after he fucked his girl in the ass, but then she gave him a blowjob. Well, I think uh, that happens a lot more often than you would think. And um, I just figured I'd give a call and say, uh, I don't know, I just figured I'd call and say that. All right, that's my first call. Hopefully my next calls will be more articulate. All right, thanks. Keep up the good show. Well, uh, thanks for calling in there. Very enlightening. Yeah. You, you know what's... I guess well, that's called the rim job, right? Well, is, that, is that one of those? Well, you know what's interesting? If you're a gay man, I guess you can't really have... The qualms about shit that heterosexual men have. I mean, I'm sure there's gay guys that don't that don't like shit, but I mean, if you think about it, feces is like collateral damage. I mean, you're yeah. fucking an asshole. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you had sex with a girl, <laughs> and, you know, and anal sex with a girl, and it's like, yeah, you know, you get shit on your dick. Right. I mean, is that like, are you actually asking me or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, has that ever happened to you? Yeah. But, it's you know, it's uh, happened to me on yes, more than uh, yes. one occasion, yeah, obviously. Yeah, exactly. It's like the way you say, collateral damage. It's like you go there, you got to deal with the circumstance, right? Exactly. And like, you know, I've always heard that, that gay guys take precautions like uh, ass douches. 
Like yeah. they do, uh, which, which, and I think that's why, like uh, the the but previous you... caller who was who was you know shocked by his girlfriend giving a blowjob after getting head is she, or after having anal sex with her, she probably didn't have an ass douche. So if a gay guy has has had an ass douche, well, yeah, you know, what's a, what's a big deal about you but, getting a blowjob? There's no shit in there left anymore, you know. But yeah, but can you can you? Uh, fully vacate that area I mean dude an ass douche is powerful (laughs) don't you think it gets in there like Drano and just cleans out all the tubes you know I've never had it done maybe I should try it one day (laughs) (laughs) what's the difference between an enema and an ass douche I don't I was using a hose pipe right I thought yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder about it. Maybe we should, but, maybe we should get one of the callers to call in and, and, and define the, uh, the yeah, description. But yeah, you know, I think you do have to be rather comfortable with your partner or your lover to actually, you know, make out with them after eating their ass. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I don't tend to do that. Brown, when, brown dick syndrome. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, right. but I, I guess if my girl had an ass douche, I probably would make out with her after, you know, eating her ass. Tossing that salad. You know, got, got a little ass douche in there. Thank you for calling in. 206-666-3846 is the number. I also have a couple of emails I want to get to here to the uh, to Podcast, hotmail.com. We got an email from our fan in Pennsylvania, Regina, Killer K. She says, hey, guys, just want to let you know that you probably have more listeners in the States than you think. I've been listening for a few months now. You guys rock. I sit at work listening to you on my iPod, laughing my ass off, and my coworkers think I'm crazy because they have no idea what I'm listening to. You probably don't even want to tell them. I asked my boss if he'd put his finger in his father's ass for $10 million. He actually stopped to think. (laughs) I introduced my boyfriend to the podcast, and he shook his head, not sure if he liked it or not. He's probably jealous. I'm a freak that has been conformed on the outside to fit into society. I'm a 30-year-old Pennsylvania mother with an 8-year-old son. And she got knocked up young. Wow. Yeah, well, they're yeah. 24 or no, 22. Isn't that young in, uh, in the Midwest there? And, no. Uh, she's a 12. college student, full-time, jibby job, blah, blah, blah. Listening to your podcast nurtures what society has told me was wrong my whole life. Keep up the great work, guys. Feeding my demented side. Uh, by the way, I also don't let my son listen to Sick and Wrong like Soccer Mom because he'd be sure to get some real good ideas. Uh, mothers, keep your kids away from the show. I don't think it's a good idea that they listen. Uh, we got another email here from uh, Leon who wrote, Hey guys, must say I truly enjoy your podcast. I've been listening to a few episodes at random over the past few weeks. Regaling my friends with your morbid stories is always a fucking treat. And of course, I always give you credit when I tell these stories. Anyway, I was listening to episode number nine. He's going way back. Do you, have you even listened to episode nine? Um, I think at some point, but yeah, it was a long time ago. Dude, it's, it, I don't even go back that far. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> um, and thought I should update you on a pretty recent version of, of the movie. Simply titled Cannibal, this German movie is based on actual oh, right, diary right. entries, emails, and journal entries written by the cannibalist. Right. Unlike the shitty Carrie Russell movie that Wackerly reports on, this story centers around the weekend that the cannibalist and his victims spend together before the actual meal. I think he's talking about that German guy, they eat the mules beer, or whatever, that cut, ate. Cut the thing off and then Did he penis. cut off the guy's penis? Yeah. yeah probably that was the first thing. And they actually, like, I think they actually cooked it together and they ate it together while he was still alive. Do you think, do you think it was a circumcised penis? Hmm. No, because they're in Germany, right? <laughs> oh, they're German. So, yeah, 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 they probably yeah. weren't. Probably not. Um... Yeah, so they actually, uh, it's about the weekend that the cannibalists and the victims spend together before the actual meal. It's ridiculously graphic. The director is a filmmaker who is a doctor by trade, but had to make the movie under a fake name. Wow. The actor who plays the victim in the movie was an acquaintance to me and my friend and showed us the film. 
Uh, the director uses real autopsy footage for one scene, and in one of the final scenes, the director uses a pig for the butchering. There's wow. also a scene where the victim uh, actually shits and pukes on himself as the cannibal carries him to the shed. The actor who played the role told us he had to use pills and laxatives in order to actually piss and shit on himself. Now, that's a method actor. Damn, yeah. I mean, that, that, wow, that kind of... I don't even think Ben Kingsley would go that far. <laughs> you think? I don't know. It's but com- I, I mean, like, like the, that, the Kerry Russell one got banned. So, I mean, imagine this one. I mean, you yeah, know. I don't think they'd even play this in this yeah, country. Yeah. It's completely sick and wrong, and I definitely recommend it to you and all of your fans. It's banned in most countries, though, and I think you can only get it in Germany. Of Thanks course. for an awesome Sick podcast. Fucks. Yeah. Cannibal movies and Shiza porn. <laughs> Shiza. Only get in Germany. Thank you, uh, Leon and Regina, for writing in. People send us an email, sickwrongpodcast at hotmail.com. Well, we got to get out of here real quick before we go. People, go check out the Sick and Wrong Forum. I don't know if you've been there recently. A lot of active members um, are currently on there. I mean, do we have like 50 people wow. uh, on, wow. there, on there at once? I kind of wonder if a lot of people adopt like six different identities and like sign up six times so they can rip on each other. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of people that no, spend too much that time on the forum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you've, got, you've got avid fans for sure. But yeah, there's fascinating discussions, great links, and uh, plenty of titties. And everyone loves titties. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a comment. We now have over 50 comments. We're really riding that rocket. Nice. nice. And uh, check out the SW store at cafepress.com slash sick and wrong. Uh, before we uh, discuss the song of the week here, Ian Sleazy E said he had a couple of foreskin jokes he wanted yeah, to share you know, with me. We, we, some, you know, uh, topical jokes. Just Are, with... Aren't you doing a stand-up routine? <laughs> I mean, did you, is this part well, of the stand-up routine not, that you no, do? No, just for, just, for, just for this show. Okay, but, it's uh, topical. Yeah, topical. All right, a, a so couple jokes. I actually wrote one for, particularly for the English um, fans out there. How do, uh, how do English Nazis do circumcisions? Uh, how? With a knife and foreskins. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty and witty. And this one is your favorite, right? How, how do you circumcise a hillbilly? How? Kick his sister in the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good one. A-list material there, Sleazy Definitely, e. definitely. So um, the, we're going to end the show here with a song selected by Ian, actually, called Northern Birds. Yes. Explain this to me. Northern Birds, he's, they're talking about chicks. Well, yeah, obviously, northern a, England. a bird is a, is a is a young you know a, a woman from the um, uh, the English term for a woman, and uh, obviously northern the northern part of England, and that's um, kind of thought of as being more working class, lower class uh, kind of divide. Um, but so obviously, the girls are thought of as lower uh, lower class. Um, and it's kind of a funny song. Um, my friend just, uh, one of my close friends just called me and he said he hooked up with a 19-year-old Northern Bird. And so I thought it was kind of a, a funny song. So what's the band? They're called like the actual transplants? No, the amateur transplants, the amateur transplants. And they're actually two, they, they, they take their name because they're both actual doctors. And uh, they do this for a, for a, lot, a bit of a lark. So. And so they're, they're talking about what it's like to shag a Northern Bird. Yeah. And, so yeah. have you ever shagged a Northern Bird? <laughs> I think everybody, every English person has it at some point in their life. But is that worse than shagging a southern bird? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, definitely. is she like toothless and yeah. just a heifer? You got and, it. You uh, got it. You got it. Just, just, <laughs> so what, is she just a chav? Lots of chavs can be up chavs. In- chavs can be a northern... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more chavs in, in northern, northern England. 
All right, so the song's called Northern Birds. We're going to end the show here with a sick and wrong song of the week chosen by Sleazy E. Sleazy E, thank you for filling in on the show. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, you, you offered a, a good perspective on the circumcision <laughs> argument here. Um, Wackerly will be back next week, and you'll get to hear all about the, uh, the big wedding and the altercation with the guy nice. with the hook. Right. Until then, sense. we'll be back next week. Take it yeah. sleazy. Bye. Adam Kay. And my name's Simon Biswas. We're amateur transplants. This is a public service announcement for all men. If you go to Bolton, if you go to Manchester or Crewe, Newcastle or Scarborough, York or Scunthorpe, Bradford, Barnsley too. Listen up to what we have to say Northern birds are lazy, ugly whores Who smell of burgers So don't have too much to drink Or you might fuck one And end up getting AIDS There's nothing fun to be found up the M1. Northern birds are lower class, slacks who take it up the arse. They're in the sack after one cider and black. But they're fucking awful rise. And your dick won't touch the sides. Da 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 da. Northern birds. Da 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 da. If you really have to go up north, then follow our advice. Fight away the women Or you'll find yourself With pubic lice And herpes You're much better Staying in the south Northern birds Are desperate, ugly hippos Dressed in Burberry With a peanut for a brain an accent that makes you want to die. Now you've been warned, they're all physically deformed. Northern birds are all obese, and they're riddled with disease. Try to escape. Northern sex is worse than rape. Stay down south and mark my words. Steer well clear of northern birds. La da 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 da.